0: You, um, looking at that couple inside? Actually, I was just looking at this, uh, little pink number over here. Oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. They look happy, don't they? What, the bras? No, the couple. They look happy. I guess as far as couples go. You know, it reminds me of an issue of Spider-Man I did when Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy went lingerie shopping. Of course, the Green Goblin showed up, and he... Pumpkin bombed the hell out of the place. But aside from that, it, it's pretty much the same thing. Oh my God. Holy shit! Aren't you? Oh, Stanley. Hi.
2: Hello and welcome to a special episode of Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to discuss today's news is...
3: said Patrick. And James Hunt.
2: Um, so obviously uh, we don't uh get together for emergency podcasts very often where we kind of feel like we need to get in a room and uh discuss the the news that has just broken um today felt like very much one of those times uh just to let your listeners know we do have a side coming that we've already recorded that'll be with you later in the week um but we wanted to put this out pretty much straight away because i don't think there is a uh a, a more important influential thing that we could be talking about guys and that is that stanley passed away today at the age of 95 um obviously hugely important um to what we talk about which is comic book movies but because he is the one of the foundational pieces of comic books he is is he is he guys the most important figure in comic book history
3: Ooh, I mean that's a big, I mean, that's I, a big claim I, to make, but he's certainly up there.
4: I, I, I don't think you could question. He's the most important figure in superhero comics history, for sure. Yeah. Um, ahead of, I mean, if people want to say that equally with Jack Kirby, then fine. Uh, but I would even say ahead of Siegel and Shuster and Bob Kane and Bill Finger, um, because. Obviously, they were there at the starting point of superhero comics, which actually Stan Lee pretty much almost was <laughs> as well. Um, just, you know, not as prominently. Um, but I said this on Twitter earlier that um, superhero comics would not be an industry or possibly even a genre past the end of the 1960s if not for Stan Lee. Yeah. Uh, I, I think mean, I- DC would have withered and died without what happened with Marvel.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, I don't. We don't need to rank them. We don't need no. to rank who's no. who's best or m- most important. But certainly, you know, if you were if you were compiling your history of comics, you couldn't get away with leaving Stanley out.
2: And so, am I right in thinking he was forty years old at the time at which he created the Fantastic Four? <laughs> he was approaching but,
3: forty, yeah. if not forty. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, which is and he was crazy to think. Well, yeah, and and he'd been because, as I say, like it, it, what's easy to forget is he had been working in comics since he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been working at, at Timely, uh, the previous incarnation of Marvel, um, and he'd again because of the fact that, like after the war, um, the the um, the genre was dying on its ass. Um, he was he was I think he became editor ridiculously young. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what age, but but in the forties he was in charge of you know uh, a not very successful comics publisher um and it gets to 1960 and and he reaches this point where he's just um you know i don't want to do this anymore i've been plugging away at this for 20 years not getting anywhere i want to quit and try my hand at being a novelist instead um and the way that he tells it um his wife said to him uh you know look you, you know have just have one more go just just do whatever you want don't do what somebody else wants you to create the way other people tell it would be that jack kirby came with a concept called the fantastic four the way that uh other people tell it uh martin goodman uh the, the publisher at marvel was was playing golf with his opposite number at dc um who was talking about how they created a superhero team called the justice league and he went away and said to stan lee i want a superhero team to compete with them create me one however it happened stan lee essentially took one last roll of the dice for a publisher that was about to go bust and a guy who was about to completely quit the industry and instead he ensured the future of the industry for the next 50 plus years
2: I think that's one of the things that I've always liked the most when I've heard people talking about Stanley. So obviously the you know the way I came into this podcast was as the as the movie guy who doesn't really know comics and so Stanley to me was this, you know, he's the guy who does the cameos and we and I, and I knew that Stanley had created a lot of these characters but you don't quite get the scope of it until you know, you start. I, I start hearing all these stories from you guys on the podcast, and I think what I particularly enjoyed was that th- there was this self myth- mythologizing about Stan Lee, and he had he seemed to have this hucksterish quality, but in a in a kind of endearing way that it didn't feel like he was someone who had like conned his way to this to this really important status in comic books. It felt like he was a hugely influential figure who had then proceeded to have a lot of fun with that status i mean just sh- showing up for how- i mean god knows how many cameos he must have had he- it must have been 30 or 40 in in movies um he really made the most of it didn't he
3: yeah i mean, I mean I- you know stanley's biggest fan was definitely stanley <laughs> <laughs> it's fair to say that but you know it- in in a in a real way like the the personality was marvel mm. like one of the things that set the 60s marvel comics apart from the competition was just you know the the personal relationship that the editorial voice had with the readers mm. and you know you can you can praise the artistic collaborators for coming up with many ideas but i think it would be tough to say that 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 voice was anything but stands
4: Mm. and and you know comics did not have that dc were not interested in that and it, I, um, if if anyone wants to find out more about this uh read a book uh which james actually recommended to me called slugfest uh <laughs> by can you, can you remember the author's name james i'm on the not uh, on the hop head. here uh but it's a it's a it's a nice chronicle of the back and forth um of of DC and Marvel's varying successes, or rather mostly Marvel's successes and DC's non-successes over the years. (laughs) And one of the things is, you know, comics and DC in particular, like the people running them were just jerks. (laughs) Like almost every senior editorial person, as I say, especially at DC, was. I mean, you know, some fantastic creative people, but horrible people. And they did not care about fostering any kind of relationship with what they saw as the children who were reading their comics. And for all that Stan Lee... And I, I, this is the closest I want to get to even touching on that subject in in what I think should be a tribute to him rather than, than picking it apart. For all that you might say about the the negative side of Stan Lee and his business practices and his treatment of the artists that he worked with... um. What he absolutely wanted to do was foster that relationship with the readers, and so yeah, he 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 injected the entirety of Marvel with his personality, and I don't know because you know know him well enough <laughs> um, if that is a personality that he created for himself and a persona or if that's really what he just was like and i kind of suspect it was just what he was like
3: (laughs) it's it's certainly what he became like if nothing else
4: (laughs) um but it is you know i mean and i think i think there's a tendency to kind of people might say um the Marvel were only successful because of him doing that, or that they were only successful because the stories and the art were great. And, it, and it's a combination of the two. And I think people will talk about the the hookster showman Stan Lee, and they're right to, because I saw a tweet from uh, Tom Ewing just after the news was announced that said, RIP the greatest marketer who ever lived. And I think he probably was. But... You can't lose sight of the fact that yes, okay, while we can talk all day long about how Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were the storytelling geniuses and, and are the ones that made those stories kind of so so visually engaging and, and flow as stories, Stan Lee put a lot of phenomenal work in in those first few years um to write as much stuff as he did and to do it as well as he did and (laughs) again you know it's only earlier this year that he died so it's not that i want to detract from what steve ditko did with spider-man but spider-man was not only steve ditko and i think a lot of the human side of spider-man really does come from stan lee
3: i mean uh, this is that's a point i want to make actually is that for any of stan lee's faults he was a collaborator who brought out the best in in his artists like lee and uh, kirby and ditko were both great creators like fantastic artists but they did their best work with stanley and neither of them
4: created anything or even turned in work anything like as good as um they did with stanley without him uh, there are people who might want to argue for Jack Kirby's Fourth World Captain stuff, America. But, um, yeah, but yeah, but you know, okay, the created Captain America, but <laughs> I wouldn't say that Jack Kirby's Captain America work is his finest work. Um, no, quite. I think the best Captain America stuff came along after Stanley brought it into the Marvel <laughs> universe. But and it's just and you, I I think you just you can't fathom when you look down because I've I've just I've got here because I was I, what I was particularly interested in was seeing which characters were created in that first year. <laughs> um so going from, you know, publication date of of November 61 for Fantastic Four number 1 and then just within a year, uh you've got Fantastic Four, uh you've got Hank Pym, the Hulk, uh, Rick Jones is listed but you know, we don't need to <laughs> count him. Uh Spider-Man 4, Iron Man, um Oh, no, sorry. Uh, no, Iron Man goes into 63, but up to October 62, uh, you've got the Fantastic Four, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, the Hulk and Thor. And then in the year that follows, you've got Iron Man and Doctor Strange and the Wasp and the X-Men and then the Avengers late in 63.
2: I mean, what have you ever heard of those characters since? <laughs> and then going into 64, <laughs> you've got Daredevil and Hawkeye. Uh, you've got Shield in 1965. I mean, all of this, all of this goes to say we can talk about the comic book context and him being, you know, perhaps the most influential figure in in comic in superhero comics. I I'm struggling to think of many people who have had quite as as big an influence on the current pop culture landscape as Stanley. Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean certainly the the people you're looking at are probably Walt Disney and George Lucas are the only ones who come even close. Mm. Yeah, but even um,
2: even then it feels like I mean George Lucas is someone who he built his career on what people were doing decades before. Whereas it a, a kind of repackaging it. Whereas I I it feels like what Stanley did was well through through the creation of those characters through the superhero comics medium do something different would like create different kinds of characters that didn't exist before him and i don't know whether yeah again i don't know how much you can directly attribute to that that to him and how much to his collaborators i mean even you saying seb that you know there's one version of that story that someone says hey dc have just created the justice league go off and create a knockoff version that's a pretty good knockoff version if that is the true story isn't it i mean
4: and and that's the i think the thing that's really worth talking about is the the big point of difference and it's because i think there's you look at like the success of the marvel characters now and, and a lot of it is down to happenstance it's you know those characters are dominant in pop culture uh it happens to be those characters because those happen to be the characters that a group of people got together and ran things in the right way, and and made those characters successful. But it's not completely random that the Marvel characters were ones you could do that with. And I think it's I think there's kind of two reasons for it. And one is the fact that, you know, I think partly because he was rattling through having to create so many concepts in such a short space of time, um, every Marvel character. Has, at least you know from that era particularly has an elevator pitch. Um, you know, you can sum them up really easily. So even if you haven't heard of the name before a movie comes along of someone like Doctor Strange or Black Panther um or Daredevil, you can very quick someone can very quickly in one line sum up who they are. And I, I think as much yeah. as I love DC's rich mythological universe of characters, I don't think that's always true. Of their characters. But the other thing is the, the human side of it. Because basically what Stan Lee did that was different was to go, I'm gonna create an entire universe of superheroes who are all unhappy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and yet it feels lighter. It feels it always it always to me, even even like, you know, when I've been reading X-Men comics that feel like, you know, all of these characters are racked with such angst the the marvel stuff and i don't just mean because of what the movies have become the marvel stories the characters created by stanley seem in my head lighter and i don't know whether that's because they're more they feel more accessible because of well, there's, that.
4: Yeah, I think, again, I think there's a couple of things go into that, which is one is it's his personality. It's And I think, again, because you can't divorce a Marvel comic, even if you're reading it in a collection that doesn't have all of the, you know, the the bullpen material and stuff, even just the, the notes in caption boxes, you can't divorce a Marvel comic from the editorial stuff around it. So, yeah. Every Marvel comic is infused with that Stan Lee alliteration and apostrophes at the end of words and everything. It's just it, it's just there. It lives in it and has that tone of voice. But also, it's the other major thing that he did, which is he said uh, he created a world full of superheroes and put them all in New York. And put them all in a recognisable place that people reading the comics mm. uh, would go. Oh, that's that's a real world. I could bump into these. Well, you know, not if you're reading. It. If you're reading it in Britain, it's still just as far away and exotic as as Gotham and Metropolis. But if you're reading it as a kid in in America in the in the sixties, you're like, this is a world. I, you Yeah, know, I could turn around a corner and and bump into Spider Man any time. And because they live in that real world, they just have that that connection and and the speech patterns that you know just make them feel more grounded and i think naturally making anything feel more grounded makes it easier to put humor into it
3: <laughs> i mean there is there's something actually that i was talking to mike leader about earlier a uh, friend of the pod mike leader who who said to me actually that standy's legacy was maybe as much the the sort of ideas he came up with in that he put these superheroes in a in a shared universe and you know, one way or another, the the idea of this shared universe has become like the dominant pop culture narrative. Like the the name of our podcast, mm. Cinematic Universe, comes from this idea of mm. these fictional characters share the same fictional space. And and comics and that's something been- he that's something he came up with. Like the idea of crossovers had been done before, mm. but it was never in such a sort of living, breathing, organic way. It was always just. Batman and yeah, Green Lantern turned up in the same city for some reason.
4: This is the thing, yeah. We, we, with with DC, you know, they 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 did exi- they'd existed in the same universe going all the way back to the Justice Society, but it was at certain times we will do a special crossover between these characters. We will have you know some some kind of event will happen and some kind of storyline that means that these characters who you don't usually see together. Will come together and it'll be a big deal. And in Marvel, it's just, well, they're all in New York, they're all tripping over each other. You know, again, at any time, you know, what I said before about at any time you could turn around a corner and bump into Spider Man. Well, at any time, Spider Man can walk around a corner and bump into Daredevil. Um, it's, yeah, it's just <laughs> that, also, that like, living, especially... breathing universe. And it's not even a universe, those... is it? It's that living, breathing world and country and city. <laughs>
3: <laughs> those uh, Those early 60s comics, like, you can track the appearances of characters from one comic to the next and you know their story sort of passes effortlessly between them in much the same way that it does in the movies now like when Mm. you know when falcon turns up in one movie it's directly informed by his appearance in the previous movie like whichever one that was
4: i um the first marvel comics the first Marvel like comic stories that I ever read were uh, printed in. Uh, well, they might have been the first. You know, they probably were the first Marvel. Certainly, the first classic Marvel stuff I ever read uh, it was printed in an annual uh, of a British comic called Fantastic that used to reprint stuff from the sixties. And it was a, it was a sixties annual. It might be. I think it was quite late in the sixties. Might even have been like sixty eight. The annual, but it was this old battered thing of my dad's, and the first story in it is a Thor story where Thor battles Magneto. So Magneto, (laughs) having already been established as an X-Men villain, shows up and butts heads with Thor. And at the very, very end of the story, uh, Magneto is chased away because the x-men turn up but you don't see the x-men on panel you just get a glimpse that they've arrived and the, you see this submarine uh, chasing after magneto that's got an x on the side and thor's <laughs> never met the x-men and thor doesn't know uh who the x-men are and he just goes that strange sub marked with an x what's going on and he's like maybe one day i'll learn the truth about this and then like later in that same issue uh there is an x-men story uh although i can't remember if it's got i don't think the x-men story's got magneto it's the first blob story uh Um, and Mm. so you know from reading that book i then i learned who the x-men were um but you know my first exposure to magneto was as a thor villain and immediately the first time i read any marvel comics they showed me that these characters existed alongside each other and could cross (laughs) over into each other's stories on a whim it's
3: funny actually because one of the like i i got into comics and superheroes by watching the x-men cartoon and there was it, even in that x-men cartoon there was a a thing where like someone reads gambit's memory and he in his memory he has ghost rider and then i hmm. remember being in a shop and seeing a ghost rider comic and being like hang on a second that's the guy from gambit's memory and i picked it up and in that ghost rider comic there was a one panel cameo by wolverine so i uh-huh. immediately bought it and that's like how i how i realized that all these marvel heroes share the same uh world was just because like these little moments that tie everything together Hmm.
2: i've got to say as well just just from my experience of reading stanley's stuff that you guys have recommended um I, i think the the things that came across were what you said seb that you can I, I was always very aware that I was reading a Stan Lee comic, you know? Like, you, you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't mistake it for anything else. Mm. Um, and also, like, for whatever it is, 24 pages, you really got the bang for your buck with those stories. Like, I, I've picked up comics that I can read in, you know, four or five minutes. Um, whereas if I'm sitting down for a Stan Lee one, I'd better settle in for a while because... Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna be a wordy process, but not uh, like I've read wordy comics where I'm like, God, oh, d- this is a real trek. Um, that was never the case when you recommended Stanley stuff. It was always it was always fun. Um, and yeah, um, as someone who doesn't really know their comics as well as you guys. Um, it was it was fun going back and reading these nineteen sixties comics that I thought, oh god, that's probably gonna be a struggle mm-hmm. and actually kind of having a whale of a time with them. Because I mean what the the early Spider Man stuff, the X-Men stuff, well, it was all Yeah. I mean, they hold up
4: to varying degrees and you know, as as much as I like it, the sixties X Men stuff isn't grey and some some of the other stuff, you know, <laughs> it, it is <laughs> it, it is of its of its time. But I tell you, I mean, the the Lee Ditko Spider-Man stuff is still as good as almost anything else in, in comics. And so you you, almost, you kind of go back to it almost with this kind of cynical eye of, oh, it's, you know, it's it's from the 60s. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be, be hokey, it's going to be
3: simple, but actually and it it's, it's not.
4: it's just, yeah.
3: <laughs> like there are, you know, there are comics of that era that you can read them and be like, Uh, This is, this is aged poorly. Like even in the, even at the time, this would have been a tough read, but the, especially like of everything, of everything, the Spider-Man comics are the ones that you just read them and it's like, you know, a writer and artist firing on all cylinders, Mm. like they hold up so well. Is
2: that his, is that his crowning work as far as you guys are considered? uh, I mean, it's, it's tough
3: to pick just one thing, but.
4: I know there are people who'd say Fantastic Four, um, but I, for me, it's Spider Man. Yeah, I was because... going to say,
3: like the the fertility of that period. Like, if if anyone had come up with just the Incredible Hulk or just the Fantastic Four or just Spider Man, you know, they would be living their entire lives off that idea.
4: Yeah, and you know, as as Bob Kane <laughs> did with Batman,
3: <laughs> for example. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but Seb did the list earlier, and it's just. The idea that one man could be involved in all of those creations, mm.
4: you know, it's... and and this is why I, you know I can't, I just can't, um, you know, people there either there was there's been a rush. I think it's lessened in more recent years, particularly as as Stan got older and and sort of you know it came more visible and stuff like in the films and stuff. But there was certainly a rush in the last kind of ten or fifteen years of people really downplaying his involvement. In a sense, to overcompensate for how um, the likes of Kirby and Ditko, you know, were, weren't weren't as lauded for the achievements. Although somebody, uh, it's the user I don't actually know his real name, uh, but know him off like Twitter and Live Journal and other things. Mighty God King, what? I can't remember what his real name is, uh, but said about how actually, if you look at the Marvel comics of the '60s, they do actually credit the artists a lot more than other comics publishers were doing at the time, and and they did build. Um, you know, engagement between the reader and the artists as well. Even if people felt that Lee was taking too much credit for stuff, but I just can't get behind the argument that just because Lee maybe didn't fully give the due credit that they deserved, then that his involvement in all of the that fertile creative stuff was nothing. Because it just that argument just doesn't hold water at all. Um, and you know, now is not the time to make that argument anyway. But even aside from this, I've never thought there was a good time to make that argument.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: Because I just don't think it's right. Just so much of the character of those books clearly comes from him. And it's him working away on, on multiple things simultaneously and his brain going at 100 miles an hour um you know and if maybe if you know some of the the stronger and more iconic elements of the concepts did come from from Kirby or Ditko um like I say I think particularly in the case of Spider-Man I read that Spider-Man stuff and I feel like the stuff that more redeems the character of Peter Parker feels like it's the stuff that comes from Stan Lee
2: I think that's one of the one of the things that I was talking about when I when saying i been reading those '60s Stanley stuff was—I I think it's all fun and it's all injo- and enjoyable, and it was appealing to me partly because of the personality of him that comes through, and because he's someone that you can latch onto because he is a—he's a—you know—he's a. He's a, you know, he's a pop culture persona in and of himself and you talked Mm. about how much of it was was him and how much of it was a cultivated personality and we'll we'll probably never know um and that that marketing job of himself but also you know because a guy could create all of these characters and then just go away i i don't know whether has there ever been kind of like a fallow period for Stanley in those fifty-five years, where you were like, "Oh, I wonder what Stanley's up to now"? Because it seems like he <laughs> <Yes>. was
4: <laughs> everything since he stopped writing Marvel stuff in the late sixties.
3: I mean, in fairness, right? In fairness, so he he did all his character creation in the sixties. He was mm. editor, and then you know what was it? Maybe president or something. You know, he he went off to Hollywood to do uh, to try and. Get Marvel's movies off the ground, so there was maybe, maybe late seventies, early eighties. He wasn't as visible as he used to be, but because yeah,
2: I'm not, I'm not just talking about the work. I'm talking about Stanley as a man, guy, yeah. and and with and so he's obviously all of those characters are, you know, su- surviving and carrying on through the Marvel comics. Meanwhile, I was just like in his first. His first cartoon series debuted in '66. In terms of characters that that his so so, I I wrote a couple of years ago. I wrote a an article for um, Virgin uh, Media's website um when Lucky Man. I don't know if Lucky <laughs> Man's still happening, but the Lucky the is actually yeah, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah the the Sky One TV show that Stan Lee's name was attached to as a creator um and for that i kind of i went back and looked at all of the different things that stanley had done just on the small screen and so it starts off with yay yeah, he's got the 1966 cartoon uh the marvel superheroes which debuted uh captain america hulk iron man thor and namor um then the spider-man the first spider-man cartoon airs in 67 and that is one of god knows how many spider-man shows <laughs> both live action and animated that have aired between now and then um his uh in in the 80s he's got the incredible hulk tv show um he uh he was a narrator on um the incredible hulk and spider-man and his amazing friends and that's where he uh he introduced this, signing off with "This is Stanley Um There was a, but yeah, there was other weird. There was the Japanese Spider Man show in mm-hmm. in the seventies, the um, and then uh, he had a he had a cameo in the trial of the uh, trial of the Incredible Hulk. He cameoed in a bunch of non. He was in entourage. He's been in the Big Bang Theory. He's been on The Simpsons <laughs> twice. Mole rats. Yeah, rats um, <laughs> Muppet Babies. He was in. Um, And then, like, I I started diving into the more recent, like, stuff that you're like, wait, sorry, he did what? So he created Stripperella, (laughs) the Pamela uh, Anderson-voiced animated
3: series. This, okay, if any period would be considered his fallow period, it's the point after Marvel filed for bankruptcy and so he voluntarily left the company or was released from his lifetime contract on the understanding that he could go on to create other characters and other works. Mm. And he made a company called power entertainment. That was an early internet startup. Mm. Um, and actually what happened with that was a very depressing tale of, uh, him being ripped off by his business partners. Uh, and there were, you know, there were a few years during the early parts of the century millennia, whatever you want to say that, where he was just sort of churning out low quality internet content that sure, I never could. really went anywhere and, and also, the, yeah, there was the uh,
4: there was the uh, ill-fated Just Imagine Stanley creating DC uh, experiments.
3: I mean, it wasn't necessarily ill-fated; it just wasn't well, very interesting. It wasn't very
4: good. Uh, and yeah, and yes, yeah, not even that it wasn't very good. It's just that it, yeah, it wasn't as interesting as it could have been.
3: Yeah, but and then I think I think as soon is... as the well, this is what I'm going to say. Like as soon as the MCU started up, he he suddenly became the public face of Marvel again. Mm-hmm. As these. You know, doing the cameos in the films,
2: but you've got to you've got got to kind of admire that industriousness and that and and that he's that's a that's a man in his seventies going oh well okay that Marvel things ended what's next mm-hmm. I, I think that's remarkable in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Back back in the in the kind of you know that the, his
4: Marvel heyday, Marvel needed somebody like him because of all the stuff we talked about in terms of him in creating that connection with an audience and then even when he wasn't actually involved with the comics um they still needed somebody like him because it is you know there there was nobody else like him in comics And as i say you know i think around about the time of the um the first Batman movie, um, they DC were kind of trying to do that with Bob Kane a little bit and kind of pushing him front and center a little bit more, but there just wasn't anybody else who was who was making that that connection with a wider audience, and so you know the average person would not know that for forty odd years, Stan Lee had nothing to do with the creation of of any Marvel comic. There are probably people who think that Stan Lee was still writing Spider Man up until recently I mean, he was and when... he
3: was writing the newspaper strip for a long
4: time <laughs> well, yeah um and you know w- when the movies came along i think what he provided was that really important anchor you know he'd already been publicly visible at a time when when marvel stuff wasn't as in the public eye and okay mm-hmm. you know more rats wasn't a massive hit film but the fact that a film like more rats could put someone like him in it and it's like this is stan lee he's the comics guy um Meant that then the movies could kind of trade on that, and obviously the cameos started off with you know the X Men one, and it's just a fun little thing. But actually, that that unifying thread helps to create <laughs> that sense of of marvel being this kind of this this fun family thing and here's stan lee as the figurehead of it even when he's making cameos in the films of characters that he didn't actually create <laughs> or, or teen titans doesn't...
3: go as he does <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that quite funny matter, actually his um because it's stan lee. his last on screen like in his lifetime his last on screen cameo was uh teen titans go <laughs> <laughs> although I, I also saw someone total up like the movies he's appeared in and like Stanley could reasonably be called the highest-grossing actor of all time because yeah. he, like, <laughs> the amount of money he's made is something like
2: twenty-six billion. Yeah. Should we should we talk about that because it obviously it is very relevant to the interest of this podcast? Yes. Um. So Stanley's Marvel movie cameos. So the first proper one is X Men, right? Mm-hmm. That he. It depends what you mean by proper. Well, because... in. You
3: it, know, he was in *Trial of the Incredible Hulk and stuff. He was in all those ones too.
2: Okay, so so theatrical cameo. So yeah, yeah. in a, in a Marvel it, yeah, in a Marvel movie anyway. Yeah. Uh so X-Men X-Men is kind of a cameo but he he's just in the background, right? He doesn't say anything. He's a hot dog seller, I think. Yes, <laughs> a hot beach. dog vendor. That's the one. And so so I'm trying to think which is the first one where he's actually where you're kind of like, oh, that is Stanley, and they're playing on the fact he's Stan- it's Stanley because so he was in Spider Man. and I'm just looking; that's he's man and fair, uncredited. Then in Daredevil, he's old man at crossing.
3: In in my head, the earliest it, I can think of is Fantastic Four, where he plays Willy Lumpkin, an actual named character.
2: Yeah, so that would
3: be 2007 five it,
2: 2005. 2005. Wow. Yeah, uh, but the other ones prior to that were. Hulk, in which he plays a security guard, and Spider-Man 2, in which he plays man-dodging debris. Um, but, yeah, so I'm... Uh, was it really the Marvel Cinematic Universe that that kind of ramped up those cameos and made them more of a, hey, you've really got to wait until <laughs> this... Like, it's a moment that um, you should be watching out for.
3: I would say certainly when... Like, we were looking out for them before... Um you know before iron man came out but Mm. iron man is the first one that really goes like slaps you in the face with hey it's stan lee
2: yeah do you guys have a particular favorite
3: Um, oh it's tough to come up with one off
4: the top of my head i mean it's the only time i'll i'll say positively about this film in relation to others but i
2: think it's amazing spider-man isn't it (laughs) the amazing spider-man one is very good is that the the one where he's in the library Yeah. yeah
3: Yeah, I mean that's um, certainly the best thing about that film.
2: <laughs> I think his his Winter Soldier cameo is very good. Um, I, Guardians of the Galaxy is great. Um, I, I think it's uh, again it, it I talk about the like the personality that he called the the public persona that he cultivated. Even it like. It was a joy, like every time he popped up. You kind of, I, I kind of feel like every Marvel yeah. movie that I watch, I kind of forget that he's coming, and then he's there, and for a second it's ha. Huh. And I, I think it could get real old, real fast. You know, like oh god, oh, do we have to pause to do this again? But it, but it never it never really did, and I and I yeah, I, I'm I not sure I think why that is.
4: Managed to find something to to do with him so i think
2: but it feels like um, he's having a blast when he's doing it
4: yeah well that's yeah because it's the yeah, it's, it's the joy on his face
0: and all that mm. that <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wonder i wonder how many uh left we got i think you're wrong though james about the last appearance because he was in venom as well um he was in venom yeah i i know that the mcu had been banking up stanley cameos i think did we're definitely getting an Avengers four one from what I've. Well,
4: James
3: what I've Gunn anyway. recorded something like five or six during <laughs> yeah, Guardians well, two. I think
4: they they ain't gonna get
2: used. are they?
3: Well, that's the thing. Like, do you think do you think they should use them? Yeah, I mean they could.
2: I think if they've if they've got ones that are at, that have been specifically designed for those films, I'd be surprised though if he if because that was a while ago. Now, um, mm-hmm. There's been a you know significant number of Marvel movies since then. Because I know, like the the um, Doctor Strange one on the bus was filmed by James Gunn, wasn't it? Uh, prior yeah. to Doctor Strange's produ- production, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think we know we're getting the Avengers four one, and maybe that will be the last, or potentially.
3: potentially I sort of think Spider
2: Man, sort of H- far from home.
3: I sort of think even if there are ones stored up, they should maybe they should maybe cap it off at Avengers four.
2: It feels like yeah, it feels like having an endpoint for it yeah. Mm-hmm. Avengers or Spider-Man I think would both be Yeah,
3: if, you know, assuming they've already been written in or produced or whatever, but let's let's not drag it out. Let's mm. give him some dignity.
4: <laughs> I'm already not looking forward to uh seeing the next one. And particularly if it comes in Avengers 4, which is uh, you know, I mean, it's already going to be an emotional time. A Captain Marvel one. Yeah, exactly. So it's already going to be an unbelievably emotional roller coaster of an experience and to have that in the mix as well.
3: Um yeah, I'm not looking forward yeah. to the end card on Avengers 4. Oh god.
4: Yeah. It's like with Paddington 2 with Michael Bond. I mean, it's not to quite the same extent, but that was still quite I knew it was going to be coming
2: and it uh yeah. So guys, yeah. For, for for me Stanley is obviously someone who I can acknowledge the importance of, but I imagine for you guys this was one of those that like hits you square in the chest when you read it.
3: Yeah, I mean, this was my Bowie.
2: Yeah,
4: I mean, it's I, for a while. I've, I think I've, I've talked about kind of ones that I think will be the you know people who you would expect might not be that long left, and, and it, when it happened, how, how big they would be. And I, I think, I think Stan and Tom Baker are the two that I was thinking when they happen. It's going to be really tough um you know it, 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 he did make it to 95 which is which is really impressive um you know that's the point all all these cameos started when he was in his seventies. <laughs> yeah um but you know it is just it, no matter how long someone has lived for um when they do there's never a go, right time to die uh, right, right exactly it's 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 still emotional um and, it, and i think particularly because he'd been so visible throughout all of these last few years and with these appearances in the films and and with doing conventions and stuff but you know let's not talk too much about about that side of things um it's uh, yeah it's it's a really big it's a, it's a really big loss and it, it it feels weird as well i think because um you know obviously earlier this year we had Steve Ditko and and we would have talked about that and obviously that's as a as a co- as the co-creator of Spider-Man who i think James and i can reasonably argue as one of the greatest fictional <laughs> creations in history and certainly <laughs> of the last fifty years or more. Um to to have not quite afforded, you know, the same uh reaction to to Steve Ditko because we didn't know him in the same way and he hadn't been as visible in the same way. Um but I think it does actually add a a, a bit more sadness to to Stan Lee going now that it wasn't that long ago that that we lost Ditko as well. Um and John Lee. yeah.
3: You know, if there's any if there's any upside to this is that you know he's reunited with his wife. However, you want to interpret that.
4: It's that yeah. It's that sad thing that often seems to happen when you have men who've been in these you know very long decades long relationships, and then if when the wife passes away first, it's of oh, the husband's not after, <laughs> not often long afterwards. Um, thankfully, Mel Brooks has. Stuck around for quite a while after
2: Hancox. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I said I know you mentioned it quickly as something not stalk- not not really wanted to dwell on, but the obviously the situation around Stanley for the last couple of years was concerning, and we spoke about it on mm. the podcast. I do think it is. A hugely positive thing that that was resolved prior to his death. That that was not. That yeah, that's definitely. Not, that's not the story that we're talking about now. That is something mm. that was addressed and resolved, and presumably, to the best of our knowledge, Stanley spent his last months in a much better situation than than he had been. Mm. I mean, I yeah, I, I ironically, the fact that we actually
4: I think seem to see and hear actually a bit less about him was probably a good thing. Um, you know we don't know kind of you know if if he was ill or whether this was kind of a long illness or anything but just you know him him not suddenly not being wheeled out so much um in in recent months i think um you know affording him that that privacy and dignity a bit more um will, will definitely have been a good thing but, um, uh, as I say you know it, I think would, all of us you know would would that we make it as far as ninety five yeah uh, the, you know the fact that this is somebody who was not only you know we we we've lost a lot of influential figures from the silver Age of comics in the last few years. This is somebody who was around in the golden age of comics and working in the golden age of comics, and there are even fewer of of those left if mm-hmm. if there are any um it's you know. Yeah, it's it's about as big uh, a happening as I think we would expect to happen in in comics in our lifetimes since since Jack Kirby died in 94 which I think for some of us was uh, at a point when we were probably too young to to be following and and understanding that that side yeah, of thing.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, I I remember just... I remember Jack Kirby dying and seeing it on the news as again, X-Men cartoon like they mm you know the x-men cartoon was big at the time and they reported it in the context of the guy who co-created the x-men you know this cartoon phenomenon has has died and that was in the early 90s but at the time i didn't didn't know who jack kirby was hmm. um, and even then you know, i can imagine still... stanley will be making as many headlines well yeah i mean
4: even you know jack kirby will have had i think some Exposure to a wider audience, but it will it will still have been to people who were interested in the characters via something like a cartoon. You know, this is this is Stan Lee, this is Mister Comics, and it's. I don't think there are many people who wouldn't at least recognise the name. As I say, even if they think, oh, Stan Lee's that guy who writes and draws all of the Marvel comics, um, (laughs) or if they just think
3: he's that guy who turns up in every Marvel film for some reason.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's just. there was, there was, nobody else like him in comics, and there won't ever be anybody else like him in comics. You know, for 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 as long as the superhero <laughs> comics industry goes on, no matter how much any...
3: Mark Miller tries.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, there, you know, there won't be any one person who who has that that influence on it and and that you know people's awareness of them. Um, um, and and I... you know, and as I say, I think it's just. It, I mean, again, you know, for all of the uh, potentially darker side of his personality and some of the stuff that he would have done. He just made everything so much fun. Somebody posted a bunch of, of, of pictures uh, on Twitter of just him, him, various publicity pictures of him with people in like Spider-Man costumes and stuff. Uh, and, they, and I think they'd captioned it, you know, so there's one thing you can say about Stan Lee, he really got that that work and pleasure balance just about right. Um, and that's true, it's just he's just someone who just, you would very rarely see a photo of him without a big massive shit-eating grin on his face and you know it's it's nice to see that someone lived for that many decades like that
2: um i think we'll probably uh be drawing this to a close uh close shortly this uh um, tribute i guess is what it what it um what it is to a, to a titan of pop culture and of superheroes uh I want to ask you guys a question and see whether you would agree or disagree with this um james i know you've you've mentioned this before and I've heard the the debate had on house to astonish about who are the most kind of who are the most iconic characters you know, fictional characters No, wh- wh- who have you said before maybe like Superman Mickey Mouse and Jesus.
3: i think superman mickey mouse and sherlock holmes are there (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) i was having a joke (laughs) i would posit that in 2018 i think spider-man has overtaken superman and uh i would i I would uh, uh, now like to open that to the floor to discussion because at least i can't speak to worldwide that s might still be you know so much more recognizable in asia i don't know um but i don't see i don't see the kids running around in superman costumes the way i do with spider-man and like no i mean, and the, and the toys and the cartoons and the and then and then you could say oh well it's a character that that kids like but it, it's not it's a character who now not just for like commercial reasons well uh, well driven by commercial reasons but there's a reason why spider-man the studios couldn't leave spider-man alone because people want spider-man movies even when the movies are bad they go right okay okay like try again and give us a a good one (laughs) it feels to me like spider-man is is that iconic hero now that kind of uh, you you would you go to nine out of ten people in in the street of all ages and they would know who spider-man is i i would yeah, be interested I mean, to I, see if you it, sorry go on <laughs> i was
3: i was just gonna say like there you know superman's the archetype and i think he'll always be the archetype certainly by this point i think spider-man is as recognizable um I think I think
4: in a in a more immediate sense, Spider Man is, and it's also what I was going to say. Is I, th- I think the interesting if you were to ask a hundred people name a superhero, what would be the first one that would come to mind? And I think Superman might even be in third place behind Spider Man and Batman in in mm. that kind of immediacy. Um, but I think to be described as as big a, a character in terms of recognition, I think you've got to have that for a longer period. And it's whether Spider Man. You know, I think I think if things were to continue on a trajectory of people keep making popular and successful stories with Spider-Man in, and they don't do the same with Superman, then maybe Superman starts to become a bit more of a background—not exactly forgotten, but you know, a used-to-be character. Um, I think I think in 2018, Spider-Man has more cultural currency than than Superman, definitely. Mm. Um, whether you know he is more recognizable than Superman, I don't know. Um, I know that my, my daughter, if anyone now, it, like my daughter considers putting some kind of mask or hat or something over your face as being Spider-Man, uh, which is her granddad's fault because he does it with a red uh, bandana thing that he has. So now she does that with her own hat. She pulls it down over her eyes and says, <laughs> I'm Spider-Man, um, you know, I, but I think, um yeah. I, it'd, it'd be nice to think that, that Spider Man, because as I say, you know, I think I think he is sort of, you know, one of the greatest fictional creations. So I'd, I'd like to see him up there with Sherlock Holmes and and Jesus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's a crossover. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I, I think his contribution to comics, to superhero superhero comics, to pop culture, the amount of joy of entertainment that stanley's creations stanley's work and latterly his creations have brought to the world um is is almost immeasurable um and at 95 he is a huge loss i just saw the guardians obituary calling him perhaps the last legend of popular culture and it's hard to argue with that um he'll be sadly missed but stanley is um dead at 95 Um, so uh, listeners we will be back later in the week with um, a mini episode and we've got our um, next main episode coming up uh, not too long after that thanks for listening and we'll see you next week goodbye you know I guess one
4: person can make a difference enough said